Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. And in Florida, a high school principal has chosen not to know, to claim not to know. Principal William Latson of Spanish River Community High School in Boca Raton, Florida, turned tail and dishonestly professed to believe contrary to what he expressed a year and a quarter ago. This after one and one quarter years of continued complaints from parents of students at this high school. So what started this? Well, back in April 2018, the illustrious principal, William Latson, he responded to an inquiry from a parent regarding the high school's Holocaust curriculum. Holocaust as in the monstrous slaughter of millions of Jews and Christians, but they were referring to Jews, committed by the Nazi Third Reich of Adolf Hitler. But they inquired about the content of this curriculum, this Holocaust curriculum. And the principal responded in a remarkable way. Yes, he stated that not, this is a quote, direct quote, not everyone believes the Holocaust happened. And you have your thoughts But we are a public school, and not all of our parents have the same beliefs. They will react differently. I cannot say the Holocaust is a factual, historical event, because I am not in a position to do so as a school district employee. End quote. Fascinating. His contention that parents' beliefs determine historical facts. I wonder who these parents would be that would take issue with the Holocaust being historical fact. Is there any possibility that any of these parents could be Muslims? Is there, is there a ghost of a chance of that, do you imagine? But here in the United States of America, unlike in yesteryear, back in the bad old times, according to the likes of the blacktivists and so forth, nowadays we believe in permitting tiny minorities 
activist minorities to dictate to the majority of the population. Fascinating, really. And it's one thing if you're talking about everybody being able to enjoy the same blessings and benefits, all citizens being able to do that. But it's not about that. It's about the nation being held hostage and ransomed by a tiny minority in so many different regards. But here, oh my, no, not everyone believes the Holocaust happened. Again, you will find time and time and time again, those who deny the Holocaust are Muslims, whom the founding fathers, you know, those poor, ignorant, chauvinist, such and such terrible people, did not recognize as being a religion. Unfortunately, because it wasn't legitimate to them, and rightly so, but Instead of them spelling out freedom of Christianity, they used floral language of the times, courtesy of Great Britain. But this wonderful, enlightened, erudite, progressive, modern principle, again stated, not everyone believes the Holocaust happened And you have your thoughts. So you're entitled to your thoughts, but you're not entitled to have any influence here. You can have your thoughts privately. You can, you know, you backwards, backwater people, you can believe that there was a Holocaust. But we are a public school. And not all of our parents have the same beliefs. So as a public school... The public school officials are in the position of denying historical fact because a minority doesn't like the facts and denies them, as is the case with the Islamist Republic of Iran and so forth. But they will react differently because they don't have the same beliefs. I can't not say the Holocaust is a factual historical event. I can't say that. Because I, in my high and mighty position, I, as a school district employee of a public school, I cannot say that. No, it's obviously strictly a matter of opinion, according to this wonderful, wonderful principle. Well, after one and one quarter years' worth of public complaints by parents of students there and pressure from the school board of Palm Beach County, the principal reluctantly issued what you might refer to as a retraction. But it's an out-and-out lie, what he now says. But let's go back to Palm Beach County, shall we? Back to the school board. Quote, 
the school board of Palm Beach County is and always has been committed to teaching all students in every grade level a historically accurate Holocaust curriculum, one which leaves no room for erroneous revisions of fact or the scourge of anti-Semitism, end quote. Why did it take the school board of Palm Beach County a year and a quarter to respond if they, in fact, have always been committed to teaching all students in every grade level a historically accurate Holocaust curriculum. Well, they state that they are teaching all students. It's not something optional. It's not an elective. They're teaching all students at every grade level about the Holocaust. They're committed to that. Fascinatingly enough, That does not agree with what the dear principal previously stated either. Namely, that it was optional. There was an optional program. But his statement now, which is just so outstanding, quote, this is from William Latson, the principal whom dear Palm Beach County School Board has failed to, refused to fire. But they got him to issue this statement. Call it an apology, if you will, but it's just an out-and-out lie. But, I digress. Quote, I regret that the verbiage that I used when responding to an email message from a parent one year ago, one and a quarter years ago, did not accurately reflect my professional and personal commitment to educating all students about the atrocities of the Holocaust. It is critical that as a society we hold dear the memory of the victims and hold fast to our commitment to counter anti-Semitism. End quote. A complete, absolute, utter, total fabrication and lie. But it's enough to appease the school board. Oh boy, let's move on to our regular events, regularly scheduled matters. Now we've gotten past that. We've swept that under the rug. We don't need to deal with that. What they could have and should have done one and one quarter years ago was to fire this principal and then to explain in a forum to the parents what had taken place, what action they had taken, and why they had taken it. But no, of course not. Let's do things this way, shall we? Speaking of the blacktivists, Colin Kaepernick, I know that you saw this with regard to the Betsy Ross flag shoes from Nike. Now, personally, (laughs) I take... Offense at flags being on shoes, pants, and things like that. I just, I don't care for that personally. I don't think that's patriotic. 
I, I think it's, it's the opposite of. But <laughs> that's me. But Nike had designed these shoes with these flags from the colonial era that are referred to as Betsy Ross flags, a little bitty panel about the size of a large stamp on the heels of the shoes. And Colin Kaepernick, being the wonderful individual that he is, he reached out to Nike company officials because he is in very good with them. You know, he has people. (laughs) He has a very big endorsement deal with him, with this extreme leftist, ostensibly American company, whose products are, you know, made in China, communist China, bloody communist China, but dear Nike, so all-American, so ultra-uber-leftist, but... He reached out to them and let them know that this Betsy Ross flag was an offense to him because of its connection, its connection to an era of slavery. And so Nike, with its tail between its legs, it recoiled and it pulled that great campaign. It quashed it. Interestingly enough, these shoes that had managed to get out and about have been being sold via eBay for extortionary amounts. But it's just so wonderful. Colin Kaepernick, just he is such a wonderful celebrity. They really should make him the company's spokesman, don't you think, for this extreme leftist company. But meanwhile, Colin, who, you know, he has such high regard for Africa, such low regard for the United States of America, thinking, you know, perhaps, perhaps he should think of becoming an expatriate not referring to the New England Patriots, become an expat, expatriate, go to Africa to do his great good work there, perhaps mingle with the likes of Al-Shabaab, Boko Haram, you know, these black Islamist, murderous, destroying terrorist organizations, Maybe that prey upon people of color in Africa. Maybe not. Maybe instead just go become good buddies of the Robert Mugabe's of the world. You know, in Zimbabwe, which was once a rich nation. When it changed hands (laughs) over to black rule, it was a rich developed nation. Of course, the thugocracy of Robert Mugabe, who has been in charge ever since, turned that into his private piggy bank, and he has raped and pillaged that nation, figuratively and literally, and impoverished it horribly. But, oh my, 
But there is so much of that in Africa. So very, very, very much of that in Africa. Oh, but, oh, Africa is so superior to the United States of America. So very superior. It's just, I just don't understand why he doesn't do that. But meanwhile, I referred in a couple programs to the missing University of Utah student, this beautiful young woman, Mackenzie Lewick of California, El Segundo, I believe, and that she was missing, but there was no evidence of foul play. There was no evidence that she was in any harm's way or she was in any danger or whatever. And I mentioned that this was remarkably similar to a couple cases that come to mind, one in New York, Uh, city uh, area, greater New York, and the other in Connecticut. And also true for so very, very, very many other cases where missing status, missing persons cases are just a pseudonym for an unsolved murder. And so it was here, and it clearly, unmistakably was the case here. But lo and behold... Back at the end of June, Ayola Ajayi, 31 years of age, was charged with aggravated murder, aggravated kidnapping, obstruction of justice, and desecration of a body, but not rape. <laughs> Fascinatingly enough, even though that was absolutely unmistakably involved. But His property was searched. Why would they pick on this fine fellow? Why would they have searched his property, do you imagine? Well, neighbors of Ayula A. Ajayi, they reported to the police that they saw him using gasoline to burn something in his backyard around the time that Mackenzie Lewick went missing. And charred materials in his backyard were tested and found to contain her DNA. This fine fellow of color who previously wrote a book about an angry mob burning someone alive. What a fine fellow. What was this young woman doing having anything to do with this fellow? I shan't go there, but... Ajayi, that is, Ayula Ajayi, he admitted that he texted Mackenzie Lewick on June 16th. But the police were prohibited from checking texts or computer messages and so forth, social media supposedly, for X number of days. They, they could not investigate such things. It just would be improper, inappropriate. So he admitted texting Mackenzie Lewitt on... June 16th, 
But he denied ever meeting her. He denied knowing what she looked like. Interestingly, though, he had a number of different photographs of her on his phone. Curious, don't you think? But what a pity that this young woman died horrifically at the hands of this monster. But he met her there at the parking lot, at the park, and the Lyft driver told police that she did not appear to be in distress. So, Mackenzie Lewick, gone. No more on this earth at the ripe old age of 23. What a pity. Lovely, young, Caucasian woman. But, oh my. Meanwhile, just a missing persons case. That's all. That's all it is. Missing persons case. And again, why charge him for rape too? After all, you know, the, the great way we have of pleading down charges here in the United States of America, that is if they start at the appropriate level. In New York State, they don't believe in that. They believe in, you know, having reduced charges to start with, as is the case in so, in so many places. But, but, lo and behold, why throw in another charge there, even though he absolutely, positively <laughs> raped her? But when they hand out these life sentences, life sentences don't mean life. They vary from state to state, but many times people incarcerated for life do not stay in prison for life. But... Rape used to be a capital offense, back when rape was rape. I know that probably sounds incredibly strange, but if you've listened to my programs before, you know what I mean. And I will absolutely (laughs) be stating that again in future programs. But, lo and behold, when we have sentences that are consecutive as compared to concurrent, then an additional life sentence when when we cannot see clearly enough, when we do not have justice on our minds, when we do not desire or see the necessity to avenge the blood of the innocents, and we simply assign sentences of life, life sentences, or life without parole, or whatever. Lo and behold, it helps to have additional life sentences, or sentences of additional stipulated periods of time, enumerated periods of years. When they are instead sentenced concurrently, (laughs) which is really an abomination, even more of an abomination, where, oh, we sentenced them to 10 life sentences. 
or 10 sentences of 20 years each to be served concurrently, all together, simultaneously, one on top of another, not nested in a way, not daisy-chained, okay, like consecutive, but instead 10 sentences reduced to one sentence because they're all served simultaneously. And then their sentence is 20 years, so, well, we need to have time served, and then we need to have time off for good behavior, and lo and behold, they're out in three and a half years, five years, something like that. But anyway, again, these missing persons cases. I've mentioned before about the Jennifer Farber-Dulos case. I have not seen more recent information concerning her, but she was absolutely, positively slaughtered by her estranged husband, Fotis Dulos, in her home, which he had never lived in, in this house, slaughtered in her kitchen. But just listed as a missing persons case, yes. And dear Fotis, such a fine fellow who took her father for 10 million plus. But he and his current girlfriend, who isn't remotely as attractive as Jennifer was, they were arraigned on suspicion of tampering with evidence. Oh, my. Not with murder, <laughs> not with first-degree murder, not with second-degree murder, not with voluntary manslaughter, none of the above, but suspicion of tampering with evidence. Hmm. Well, what did they do, I wonder? What led to those charges? Well, among other things, among his DNA being mixed with hers, in her home, which he had never lived in, there in the kitchen, and bloody thumbprints of his there. But surveillance cameras recorded a pickup similar to one that's owned by him, appearing to stop more than 30 times along the four-mile stretch of Albany Avenue in Hartford, near where he lives, an hour from where she was living in New Canaan. And these items were tested and found to contain her blood. Furthermore, the video that was taken, it appeared that the persons, male and female, they matched the description of Fotis and his current girlfriend. And her blood was found, Jennifer's blood was found in her garage, and so forth. But, interestingly enough, last I heard, it was still a missing persons case. Not a murder case. Not an active murder case, but a missing persons case. Furthermore, he was released on bail. He, through his lawyer, demanded that his bail be reduced. It was only set at 500000 but he wanted it to be cut 
down from that. Well, that was denied, but nonetheless, he was able to post bail after a week. The judge graciously permitted that. Yes. But again, his DNA was mixed with Jennifer's blood on a kitchen faucet in her home in New Canaan. Furthermore, blood splatter and unmistakable evidence of attempts to clean up the blood were found at Jennifer's New Canaan home. But again, he was only, you know, arraigned for suspicion of tampering with evidence. Not murder. Heavens, no. So wise and wonderful. And I know at the time that I saw it, I couldn't help but think, well, this is more or less a copycat murder. But just in a moment, before I continue with that, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Whatever is right and good and true in this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever's wrong, if anything's wrong, erring, lacking, deficient, imperfect, that's on me. But back to the murder that preceded the slaughter of Jennifer Farber Dulos. That of Janine Camarada, 37 years of age, a mother of three. Jennifer, on the other hand, is a mother of five. And a beautiful woman, prior to being slaughtered. But 50 years of age. But Janine Camarada. Both Caucasian women. Jennifer was married to this man of Greek ethnicity. Janine was married to a man of color. And I mean specifically black man. Well, she went missing too. And again, it was just listed as missing persons case. The police knew it was more than that. And they searched for her body, and they did manage to find it and identify it. But she was slaughtered at the residence of her estranged husband, who had a new girlfriend, who, as in the case of Jennifer Farber, is much less attractive, in my view, than the wife. But... Jennifer Farber Dulos, before she went missing, she had dropped all of her children off at school in New Canaan and then went home and lo and behold was met by, obviously, by Fotis Dulos there who slaughtered her in her home. He was waiting for her, obviously. The DNA, the evidence, the blood splatter, and everything else attests to that. But in the case of Janine Camarada, she was going to pick up her children from her estranged husband, 
And Michael Camerata slaughtered her in his residence. And then he and his girlfriend disposed of her body, burning it. They thought beyond recognition. Just as dear old Ayula Ajayi burned Mackenzie Lewick's body. He thought beyond recognition. Janine Camarada's charred corpse was identified by dental records. But Michael Camarada, he has been charged with second-degree murder. This is what they do in New York State. New York State, the capital of second-degree murder. Yes. And his girlfriend, Aisha Ejia, has been charged as well. Aisha Ejia, almost akin to Ayula Ajayi, but... (laughs) Meanwhile, Janine's landlord, Jose Perez, he said that he was afraid of Michael Camarada. He told Janine, be careful, you know, because I saw things escalating really quickly. Well... Sadly, she was slaughtered, picking up her children. But Alexa Cannon, Alexa Cannon, a beautiful young woman, was slaughtered by her roommate, her female roommate. They were both Radford University students. And in the morning, one day, there was a 911 call. And the dispatch officer was able to hear a woman yelling and making reference to a knife. Police were sent to the address. And... At about 7.45 a.m., they attempted to enter, they did enter, and they found Louisa Ines Cutting. Yes, that's the last name, Cutting, C-U-T-T-I-N-G. They found her, and they found another woman lying on the floor. Beautiful Alexa Cannon, lying on the floor with multiple stab wounds and a butcher knife sticking out of her mouth. My, my, what what should this be? What should the charge be, do you imagine? How about second-degree murder? Second-degree. Even though there was this 911 call and Alexa was 
yelling, screaming about the knife that her roommate was wielding. But dear old Louisa, Louisa, Innes or Inus Cutting proceeded to slaughter her beautiful roommate. Both 20 years of age. Yes. Radford University. I don't I don't recall with absolute precision, but I believe Radford University is in Radford, Virginia. That's the way I remember it, but I could be mistaken. Second-degree murder. After being slaughtered by her roommate in a most heinous fashion, there can be no avenging her blood because it is second-degree murder. Death penalty cannot apply for second-degree murder. It rarely is dispensed for first-degree murder. Rarely. But it cannot be for second-degree. And then back to New York City. The capital of second-degree murder. Another, and the beautiful, blonde, Caucasian woman living in New York City from Greenwich, Connecticut. 23 years of age, Sarah Coit was repeatedly, monstrously stabbed with multiple knives, nearly decapitated, organs hanging out of her body, out of gaping wounds in her body, her face disfigured by having been stabbed multiple, multiple times, her throat slashed by her black boyfriend, her man of color boyfriend, who had been violent towards her prior to that many times, and she was moving out of that apartment that day. Her parents were due to arrive and help her move out. So why did she spend the night there? Talk about foolish. It's just amazing, the foolishness of so many women. I'm sure I will... Uh, be condemned roundly for saying such things. But in so many cases, there is such a large measure of foolishness, blindness, ignorance, foolishness, you could say culpability by the victim. And then in other cases, there's none. Cases like Holly Lynn Bobo, who was kidnapped from her home from her parents' home that she shared with her parents and her brother, kidnapped before heading to school. But Sarah Coit, beautiful woman. But this destroyer who slaughtered her over a period of 20 minutes well, she's screaming at the top of her lungs. When police arrived, they told the neighbors to look away when they brought her out of the building. 
One said her whole neck was cut all the way. Her head was almost cut off. But second-degree murder. The assailant, Raul Barrera. Handsome fellow. If I didn't know better, if I just saw it in some sort of a who's this kind of thing, I would think professional baseball player. I would. I'd think New York Yankee. But clean-cut looking guy. He pulled several knives from a wooden butcher block early on a Sunday morning. He used them to gouge her face. He sliced her across her face time and again. He struck her with such force that one of the knife blades broke in her. But he works in public relations, and he told the police she started it. (laughs) And, of course, New York's best and brightest naturally believed that. (laughs) Well, a neighbor said that he was a monster. I knew he was going to kill her. His eyes were insane. He was a killer. He looked at me like I was a piece of meat. But second-degree murder. Meanwhile, and that was back in 2012, I believe, 2011, 2011. Now a more current case just happened. In New York State, the capital of second-degree murder. Lovely young woman. Bianca Devins, 17 years of age, just graduated from high school, and already a big Internet sensation, an Internet personality with many, many followers. Yes, among internet gamers. And she took up with a man who was 21. And they were driving. Oh, and something went wrong. So he, he couldn't help himself. He had to slaughter her. Slit her throat. Then what did he do? Then he photographed her body and posted the photos online. Huh. Must be second degree murder. Surely it's only second degree murder. Sure enough, second degree murder. Charged with second degree murder. He cannot be executed. Clearly only deserving of second degree murder. Sorry, sweetie, that you're gone so young. Perchance a little bit of foolishness on your part, perhaps. Oh, no, no, couldn't be. But meanwhile, keeping company with a destroyer. Is it wrong to fail to have 
perfect judgment and discernment concerning people. No, not wrong. Unfortunate. It can be absolutely fatal. I mentioned before about this extraordinary family affair in which Anthony Zotola Sr., and the name's confusing, he's a son, Anthony Zotola Sr., he arranged for the murders of his father, Sylvester, of his brother, Salvatore. And interestingly enough, even though the attempts by gangbangers, by black gangsters, were vicious, extremely vicious, nonetheless, (laughs) with multiple gunshot wounds, multiple stabbings, nonetheless, both his father and his brother survived the initial attacks. His father survived, too, before he was gunned down at a McDonald's drive-thru. But this, this case involves first-degree murder. How many defendants are there? Well, there were three defendants in addition to Anthony Zotola. And then five other suspects. So nine in all. (laughs) If convicted, they all face mandatory life in prison, whatever that means. And it varies from state to state and so on and so forth. Or even the death penalty. Oh, my gosh, even the death penalty. Oh, New York State, you are so harsh. Here's another case from another great state in this nation. But this one's actually kind of sort of from two states. That's right. So this teacher, man of color, who received an award for being the teacher of the year, he picked up a couple guys who wanted a ride, and they murdered him. No good deed being unrewarded, unpunished. Hmm? Frederick McCray Jr. was murdered by these two. And he was a teacher in Mississippi. His body was found in Louisiana, in northeastern Louisiana, just across from Mississippi, Mississippi A. And Jimmy O'Neill Lewis and Cedric, Tennessee. (laughs) Don't get that confused with the state. They were arrested and charged. And both held without bond, unlike Mr. Photos Dulos up in Connecticut, who slaughtered his wife. But they have confessed to the alleged murder. How can you... You know, it's one thing to say that they allegedly committed it. But how can you say it's an alleged murder, (laughs) you know, when his body's been found and it's been determined that he was murdered? I don't know. But the victim was a man of color, was black, and those that committed it were black. Yes. But this is first-degree murder. First degree. You see, in New York City, 
<laughs> this would have to be second degree. Because there's absolutely nothing to absolutely positively indicate that they intended to murder him. Yes, they murdered him, but who's to say that they intended to murder him? Who's to say that that wasn't just a spur-of-the-moment decision? But moving right along. This fellow, fine fellow that he is, in Washington State, he was listed as a level three sex offender with previous convictions for child molestation and burglary with sexual motivation. Have you ever heard of that? Of that designation, burglary with sexual motivation? Sounds like home invasion rape, doesn't it? Or home invasion kidnap rape, so forth. But... He married a woman that had three children, apparently. Uh, at least that's, they have her name, not his. Valerie Cambites, or Cambites, it could be pronounced, but the German pronunciation would be Cambites. 34 years of age, her children, her lovely, darling children, Lily, nine, Emma, six, and Jaden, five. All of them were slaughtered. The mobile home in Port Angeles, Washington, was burned. And they were burned to death, but they were either murdered or incapacitated prior to that. I'm going to bet on murdered prior to that. But anyway, this fine fellow, whom she had the extreme good sense to marry, Timothy Weatherington, 34 years of age, same as her age. He slaughtered them all. And he is being charged with first-degree murder, four counts. You're here. Monstrous, monstrous, monstrous crime. But at least he's being charged with first-degree. Who's to say that in New York State it wouldn't be second-degree? You know, a crime of passion, crime of the moment. That's not first degree, that's second degree. So, and meanwhile, here just happened that uh, in the last few days, this young man, badly named Abel Sedeno, he should have been named Cain Sedeno, 19 years of age, proudly sodomite, slaughtered a couple classmates in school, in high school, stabbed them to death, obviously, or stabbed one to death, and the other has merely been in coma ever since, obviously stabbed this boy in the heart because of the way that he bled, like water spewing out of a fire hydrant. Yes, this Abel Sedeno, he excused himself to go to the bathroom. He came back with a switchblade knife and attacked them both. In a second or two's time, he stabs them both, intending for both to die. And again, the one has merely been in coma since then. But what was he convicted of? He was convicted of 
manslaughter. And fascinatingly enough, he was charged originally with murder, but he was indicted on manslaughter. He'll be out in no time. No time. And he claimed self-defense. <laughs> Just amazing. You know, claims self-defense on the basis that he's sodomite, and so obviously he's being picked on. Yes, this is justice in America, in the United States of America. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.